Well, praise God. It's good to be here in Chicago during this regional, amen? amen. <clears throat> God's going to do some great things. I know there's more people coming in uh, for tomorrow, and uh, I get the opportunity to be here all weekend, so I just thank God for that, amen? amen. Uh, we also are looking forward to the uh, National Conference in July, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, I just so happened to tell a couple people that I would uh, say hello to you. Uh, today I had been talking to Tim Cummings. He gave me a call, and so uh, I told him I would not fail to say hello to all of you from Pastor Tim. So uh, I did that, and uh, I wanted to make sure that um, he's just in his greetings as well. Uh, going through a different season, and so he'd like to have been here, but uh, I'll, say, I'll bring his greetings. <clears throat> but the Lord is faithful to us, and uh, he's wonderful, and I'm just going to believe God that he's going to help us. Now, one of the hardest people to preach to is already people that's preachers, you know. Uh, you, don't, you can't say something you haven't preached. You can't preach something they haven't already known. Uh, so we just have to open our heart to be sensitive to what the Lord has. And that's where the victory comes on the inside. Amen. I had several things turn in my heart. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the things that I probably wanted to share uh, tonight and tomorrow night, I really felt more impressed for Saturday and Sunday. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to really just share some things that the Spirit of God has just put uh, inside of me. For those who don't know me, I'm uh, Ken Harbaugh, my pastor of Full Gospel Temple in Eaton, Ohio, which uh, where Pastor Ray Rothwell pastored for almost 30 years. We, we uh, did a transition about seven years ago. Uh, seven years in January, we started a transition and uh, for a six-month transition, and uh, so uh, that's where I pastor. I traveled for about 15 years full-time up to that and did a lot of work overseas and in uh, Africa. We have been uh, doing work in uh, East Africa, Kenya, the western part of Kenya for the uh, better part of 18 years. In the earlier days, I was there about four months out of the year and uh, started that. So that just kind of gives you a background for those who don't know me, what we do. And besides that, we just love the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And thank God he found us faithful, putting us in the ministry. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. <clears throat> I declare tonight that my body is strong. <clears throat> that no attack formed against me shall prosper. And I thank you right now that every ear will hear and every heart receives the word of God. I thank you, Master, for the revelator, the Holy Spirit inside of us the one who brings revelation, our teacher. And I confess again tonight that I'm anointed for revelation. And we're anointed to hear your word. And we will walk in your word. We won't just be a hearer only, but we will be a doer of your word. For the day ahead is weird, Lord. I, I've never seen such a day so weird in, a king, in the world. But I thank you that your people are rising up it is, we're going to become stronger because the Bible declares that in the last day, the righteous, the path of the righteous is brighter. Even though the world is darker, our path is getting brighter. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, praise God. Uh, anybody uh, got a Bible tonight? All right. Either on a regular pages. I still like preaching out of a regular Bible. Uh, I have some notes on an electronic device, but I like preaching out of a regular Bible here. Uh, I can find it a little bit easier. I've tried to go straight from electronic devices. As, as gadgety, as tech, techy as I like to be, 
I just have never got it. I just like the feel of this leather, I guess. Amen? And so uh, if you've got a Bible tonight, which uh, I, I believe that we need to keep handy at all times, I want us to go to some verses. Uh, I stopped using a word that I used to use. I stopped it about a month ago. I used the word familiar. I used to say, turn with me to a very familiar verse. This, the reason I stopped is because I've really sensed that there's a spirit called familiarity that has got up on us and has really hurt us. Uh, I believe that's what happens with uh, people can become too familiar with their spouses, with their family, and uh, parishioners, with uh, pastors, and next thing you know, you don't receive it for what it really is. And so may the Word of God never become so familiar that we lose the life out of it. Amen? May we always keep it in our hearts. So I don't want you to turn to a familiar verse of Scripture. I want you to turn to a Scripture filled with life tonight with me out of John's Gospel, chapter 16. Boy, that sounds like some people from my church. We say it and they, they shout it. Amen. There's one thing about the Word of God. I'm sorry, it's Mark's, Mark Gospel, I'm, John's a little later, Mark's Gospel 16. I'm trying to figure out there's nothing in John's Gospel 16 on my notes right in this minute. <clears throat> it's not familiar yet, man. Here we go, chapter 16. Here's some verses that we know, and I know there's still going to be life. I want to deal with the subject tonight that I want to talk about is simply something I've just ministered along these lines and probably a different area, don't know how it's going to really uh, come out here, is the subject just titled Identity Theft. Identity theft is a great big deal right now in this country. Matter of fact, I get little, little things, it's not an infomercial, but this LifeLock deal. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a part of that. We have so many credit cards with the ministry and the church and everything else that you do and, and home. And so uh, this LifeLock, this phone's to protect you. And they send you different notices, you know, on different things that transpire. And one of the reasons why I did it, a guy in Germany had my credit card a couple of years ago and was getting ready to max it out. And uh, they put a stop on my card. He had everything, he had everything he needed except for two digits on my, on my zip code or something. And they stopped it. And I mean, it would have been a bad day. Uh, in my household had not that happened. So, you know, we, we, we get this. So identity theft is a major deal. Nowadays, they call it, you know, stealing your identity, dumpster diving. People get in and do things. But uh, I see the parallel in the spirit realm that the enemy is doing everything he can to steal the identity of who we really are in the kingdom of God. It's not just an identity thing in the, wor- in the world. It's an identity thing in the kingdom of God. I believe the reason why there's so many different changes uh, in church structure and what people are trying to do to gain people and we got to change the culture and and we got to go young and you know every generation changes and and uh, I'm, I'm not concerned about the cultural changes I'm concerned about the compromise that goes with some of it I'm concerned about some of the compromise and what we're doing to try to gain something because what you compromise to get you're going to have to compromise to keep and uh, I don't believe that we're called to compromise I believe we're called to advance and be what God wants us to be. Amen? And so uh, I was in a meeting. Matter of fact, I was in Rockford, Illinois years ago preaching a meeting. And these words came off of my spirit. Compromise, penalize, paralyze. 
And these three words just kept coming to my spirit. Nothing I had been preaching on, it just came up. Compromise, penalize, and paralyze. If you compromise, you're going to be penalized. And once you penalize, you'll become spiritually paralyzed, and you will not be able to do what God wants you to do. So we won't compromise. It's all right for change. It's all right to decorate it up. It's all right to... Uh, you know, to, to bring something new in, but we can't allow for anything to steal our identity and to weaken our cause. All right? And so I just want to share on some of this, this identity stuff, because it's very important. Here, here we go. It's not, it's not a problem that we just have here in America, and today, this is something that goes on even in the day of Jesus. And even in the Old Testament, that's what I want to look at. And we'll see where we're going to get tonight. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Or who, who are men saying I am? Or what's, what's going on? And so, and they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some Elias, and other Jeremiah are one of the prophets. But he said, but who do you say that I am? Now, I want you to understand here, he, he comes into Caesarea Philippi. Uh, now, you know, as most of us, uh, several of you have been there, I got to take my first trip this past November to Israel and uh, got to go to Caesarea and got to go to these places and, and different things, and it just changed a lot of stuff in me. It literally, when I read now, uh, I just couldn't get back to read the Bible through again because it just brought things into technicolor. You know, and uh, you're driving through Israel, and all of a sudden you see a sign that says Ashdod. And I'm thinking, Ashdod? I mean, that's just like the Bible, you know? Uh, but you just get all excited about seeing things like that. Uh, so uh, what you have here, he said, who are men saying that I am? They said, some say you are John the Baptist. And if you've never really done a study on why some say you're John the Baptist, that is a very remarkable thing. Not to take a side journey, but do you realize John the Baptist never had one, we can't find one earthly miracle in his ministry or one miracle in his earthly ministry? You can't find one. But yet, some say he's like John the Baptist. Can you, has anybody here beside John the Baptist, anybody ever come to and ask you, are you the Christ? Can you imagine they came to John the Baptist, somebody came to him and asked him, are you the Christ or do we look for another? I mean, are you the one? I mean, I mean this guy had so much power, he had so much authority uh, that uh, it just mind-boggled the people. And so when I got to reading this, some say you're John the Baptist. Why would they, why would they parallel or why would they consider saying that? It's a very interesting study. You ought to just do it, just for fun. Uh, but he said, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he said, all right, that's what they say. But what's important to me now, you're my men. You're the ones following me. You're my inner circle. I want to know who do you say that I am. Are we together? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now I want to just pause there. He didn't say you were Jesus. That's common knowledge. He said, you are the Christ. In the Amplified Bible, another trans, some of the other translations, they go ahead and put it out for you. But uh, what he said was, we understand. I know who you are. By the Spirit of God, not by man's knowledge, not by man's understanding. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that came, that's anointing of God, to lift the burdens, according to Isaiah 10, 27. And you're the one who came to destroy yokes. You are the Christ. That's who you are. So now, Peter, by the Spirit of God, just identified who he was. 
This is the identity that we started with. Now, from this point on, identity will be very important. Because remember when Satan taketh him up and tempted him after Jesus fasted 40 days and Satan came and tempted him? Remember he said, if thou be the son of God, you command these stones to be made bread. This whole thing wasn't a challenge of making things bread. This whole thing was a challenge against his identity. If you be the son of God, you do this. It's not, a, it's not a matter of bread. It's not a matter of being hungry, fasting. This thing is a matter of identity. If thou be the son of God. And so what I'm seeing nowadays is people confused about their identity. Who they really are in Christ. At one time, I was a Christian, but really didn't know who I was. I was inferior. I was an introvert. I mean, I had a bad outlook on myself. I mean, I really didn't know who I was. I'll tell you that I'm a Christian. I'll tell you my name, but there was something about me. I didn't know who I really was. I, I was very backward. Until Pastor Rothwell put me in the pulpit at age 17 up to that time, had a bad stuttering problem. I was very backward in school. I had poor grades because I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to speak in front of people. I didn't want to talk uh, about things. Teachers laughed and mocked me. If I still get going sometimes, you know, I can still, uh, if I get excited, I can uh, stutter over a few words and Angel will tell me, just what's wrong? Just calm down a little bit. But as long as I stay calm and cool, you know, uh, everything's all right. But I I had a very uh, low self-esteem about myself. And uh, regardless of what God wanted to do through me, he couldn't do it until I realized who I really was in him. And that just began to change things about me. And so that brings me really to who I am today. Because who I am and what I do, I mean, it's just become one. And uh, I've asked pastors all over that I preach for, uh, what are you really called to do? I've asked pastors and preachers all over, what are you called to do? When you realize who you are, it's easier to find out what you're called to do. But a lot of people really never discover their call because they never really discover who they are. I've asked people on purpose, overseas in America, I've asked them, what are you called to do? And you know what I get? I get one of five answers. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I said, that's not a call, that's, that's a ministry gift. Those gifts are to help you to fulfill your call. They're not a call, they're a gift to help you. Or what people call an office, it's not just an office, it's a gift. A couple of years ago, we built some new offices at the church and everything, but the office that we built, it's nice, it looks good, but that office is not anointed. But when the gift comes and sets in that office and ministers and prays and speaks to people, now it brings an anointing to that office. But it's the gift that God has in you. And so I start asking people, I mean, uh, Brother Wayne was with me in Africa. I did a whole thing on the ministry gifts. Just had no plan to do this when I got there. When I got off the plane, I felt to go ahead and, and just share on ministry gifts. Why is an apostle apostle? What, why does he become an apostle? What ministry gifts does he have to have? What, what uh, anointings has, does he have to have to operate through him to become this? A prophet, evangelist, pastors, or teachers. Where does the missionary fall in? And I broke it all down. And come to find out, most people have no clue what they're called to do. They just understand, I have a gift somewhere. I'm a pastor. If that's all you know about yourself, you're a pastor or a preacher or a teacher, you're shortchanging yourself into people. You've got to know what you're called to do. 
my call's never changed. If I'd move overseas today, my call wouldn't change. I wouldn't change from a pastor to a, a missionary. My call doesn't change. If I went back traveling full-time to America, my call would not change. Once I came to church to pastor, my call did not change. That's why everything stays the way it is because my call doesn't change. Once I found out what I'm called to do and who I am, everything solidified inside of me. I tell people my call is threefold, very simple. Probably 75% of the people has probably said this, but I, I know it by understanding in my heart. I have a threefold call. Number one, I am called to teach and teach and train and develop people who they are in Christ. That's simple. Not, not just know about Jesus, but who they really are in Christ, in Christ. Not just about Christ, in Christ. Where Paul said, in him, in him I live, and in him I move, and in him I have my being. You are a human being. That's, that's how you exist. And in Christ is, is my total being. My reason of existing is in him. It's, it, it's, not, it's not a what, it, it's a where. It's everything that we have. It's about understanding when we use terminology like praying in the spirit and, and walking in the spirit. It's not how you walk or how you pray. When you say praying in the spirit, some people say, well, that's praying in tongues. It, it can be, but it doesn't mean how. It means where. You're in the spirit. Where you may not know if, there's, if you're in the body or out of the body at times because you're in a place. It's not just how. And we've made so much about our identity how instead of where we are and who we are. And so uh, I'm going to teach people who they are in Christ, how to live a life of the Spirit, and how they can reach their destiny. Not just a destination, but their destiny. That's what I want to do. And how this come to me one day, I had a dream. You know, not, not all dreams are of God. I'm going to talk about identity, this place here. Not, not all dreams are of God. You know, you could have Taco Bell and have a dream. It can keep you up and everybody else. But not all dreams are of God, but the few dreams that I have of God, I've never had to doubt. I wonder if this is of God. But one night I had a dream. It was horrifying. I saw beastly looking beans that were just stripped, skinned. I mean stripped. If you've seen cattle or you've seen some kind of a beast, uh, if you've ever skinned a deer or something like that, you see the, the bluish uh, skins and the veins and the red you, you, you can see the sinews and the veins underneath that skin and that's what they look like but they had a distorted head it was distorted it looked like a cattle type an animal I mean it was a beastly type head and uh, it was so alarming and they were on like a conveyor belt like you'd see luggage coming off of at an airport it was on like a, like a 35 degree angle or something it wasn't real steep and they were laying and I knew they were going to die I knew they were going to die this is what was going to happen to them and one of them spoke out to me and said uh, before I die will you tell me who I am and I mean I just began to weep I mean I, I, who, who are you and uh, I, I just begin to weep, and I, I'd be started saying, "Hey, hey, can can somebody tell me who they are? They want to know who they are. They deserve to know who they are before they die." And a name came to me, and I said, "You're." I told them their name, and they went, oh, "I know who I am. Everything's all right." When I woke up out of that dream. No sooner than I woke up, I heard this. You will teach my people who they are in me. They will know 
who they are in me. It's not just a thing I came up with. This was an assignment. It's a mandate. I pray for revelation knowledge about the word of God and about who we are in Christ so that this thing can come to pass in our life. And so many people have been in ministry for years and they've discovered a gift in them but they've never really discovered who they really are. It will bring a joy. It will bring a peace to ministry. It will bring an open door like you've never had in your life. I mean, it will cause you to jump up in the morning and can't wait to get about the business of the Father. Once you understand how this works, okay? Peter said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You're the one who came to anoint us and to set us free. I know who you are. Jesus said, uh, blessed are thou. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. The word blessed means, uh, we understand that to mean what? To empower. The word blessed means to empower, to empower to prosper. That's what the word blessed means. I empower you. When you say blessed, that means I empower you. And when, when he said, I know you're the Christ, here's what Jesus said. Uh, blessed are thou, Simon, or because of this revelation, there's going to be an empowerment that's going to come unto you that's going to open up things to you that you've never had before. There's an empowerment. Once we understand and get into this in, in identity, you're going to see in a blessing, an empowerment that's going to reside upon us. It's going to come out from us like we've never experienced before. Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona. Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. This did not come by human. This came by my Father in heaven. And revealed knowledge is called revelation. And he said, this is the revelation. And that's what he said. And, and for I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, not just upon Jesus, we understand this. It's not like I can tell you something you, you haven't, that you don't know. You know, people say that Jesus is the rock. We understand that. That's basic. But he's not just saying up on Jesus as the rock, the rock of ages. He's saying up on this revelation of who I really am, upon the revelation of true identity, upon the revelation of identity that will never be taken away, upon identity revelation, I will build my church. And the church is not just built up on good preaching, it's not built up on good teaching, it's built up on a revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ and who you are in him and what you have in him. This is that identity. Blessed, empowered. You, you, you're going to be different now. Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this revelation here, I will build my church. When I was reading that, uh, you know, upon the revelation of him being the Christ, but then on the inside of me I heard, upon revelation, just revelation, I'll build it. Upon revelation. You know, there's something about God illuminating the word of God and it becomes alive to you. That is something that you can put your hand up on. When revelation comes, you know what happens when revelation comes? It becomes usable. The word of God becomes usable. A lot of times people don't know how to apply the word because it's not applicable to them. They know it, but it's not applicable to them. But once it becomes revelation, it becomes applicable. It becomes usable. That's what revelation will do to you. 
Revelation will cause you, I mean, when you're just confused about something, I mean, when revelation comes, now it comes in the realm of, I can do this. It's no longer a struggle. And and it, it can be in the Word of God, and it can be in anything else. Once revelation hits, I mean, once revelation hits, I mean, it's something it changes in you. I remember this when I was training to get my first private license as a pilot. And in that first level, I mean, there were things that it just didn't make sense to me. I could not wrap my mind around it. And, and I prayed that God wouldn't just uh, give me the ability to learn that. I wanted to understand it. And I believe just by God helping me, that's what changed it inside of me. And so, it's not just... Understanding, revelation will cause the word of God to be workable, applied in your life. And he says, and upon this, upon revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you want to be able to make it with all the storms of life, it's going to have to come by you standing, not just on the word of God, you're standing up on the revelation of the word of God and realizing who I am. Who I am. Now watch this. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now we've quoted these verses for years. And I've had people tell me, I've bind and I've loose, I've bound everything I know to bind and loose everything I know to loose, and it still can't, it's still not working. Because a lot of times we're, we're using a verse because we're trained and schooled with that verse, but it hasn't become life to us. When it becomes life to you, it'll take the sting out of the fight. You'll move into what I call a sweatless anointing. Where you won't fight all the time. You won't just live in that sweat of anxiety. You'll move into a sweatless flow. It doesn't mean you're not going to work any harder. It just means it brings you into a place, like Hebrew says, a place of rest. A place of rest. That's what revelation will do. It will bring you into a place of rest. And I believe this identity thing has got to come to a place to where we get into a place of rest. And all the enemy is trying to do is steal the identity of who we really are in the world today. You know, the, the world don't care if you, you, you mention God as long as you keep Jesus out of it. As long as you keep Jesus out of it. They don't care what goes on. You know, there's verses that I've read and quoted years ago that I see totally different today. You know, I'm thinking about identity. There's, you know, in John... It says, from the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. How many knows the verse? From the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. And I, I, you know, being one that always loved to pray and, and whatever, I used to get in there and, and somewhere, you know, I got into some prayer meeting teaching about, you know, being almost in the spirit, almost with a a militant mentality, you know, not quite that bad. But, you know, there was a ministry out down, out in Arizona somewhere where they were taking people up in helicopters and strapping them off with straps and just taking the sword, and they were going through the air bringing down strongholds. Surely they don't have a pastor. Because 
If they did, they would be taught something about this. Surely to goodness, they're unpastored people. They're rebel sheep, surely. And they're just up there trying to make that happen. But you know, this mentality, we got to take it by force. And I remember when this solidified inside of me. We're not the violent. It said the kingdom of God is under attack. It suffers violent. The violent take it by force. I'm not the violent. The enemy throughout the scriptures has been known as the violent one. And so when I read it, I understand from the days of John the Baptist unto now. What he's saying is there's a new sheriff in town. We got a new identity here going on now. Things are going to change. We're in a new dispensation. We're going to walk in a different covenant here. The days of John the Baptist under now, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? God's kingdom, God's way of doing things, God's law, God's government. The kingdom of God, like God created it for one man and one woman to come together and to be husband and wife, not two men coming together. And all of this stuff, it's, a, it's an attack against the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God that's under attack. And the one who's attacking, the violent one, is trying to take all of our rights and our identity away by force. We're, we don't have to. The Bible says God has already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and we receive it by faith. Why should I have to take something by force that has already been freely given unto me by Jesus Christ, the head of the church? Why should I have to try to take something? You know, to take something by force, that's violation. I don't have to take my kids by force. I don't have to take my wife by force. But it's the enemy trying to take our kingdom and what we stand for and the laws of God. He's trying to take it away by force. And for the years, the body of Christ has had us as the one who's trying to take it by force. And that's why we're not getting it. We've got to stand with the revelation of God's word, with the right identity, and say, I receive it by faith in the Son of God. And I refuse to move from my stand. Amen. It's all about this identity. Let me tie a scripture under this. I was going to save it, but let me just, just go to it. I think I can find it. Uh, go to Luke chapter 6. Go to Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6. Let's start at verse 46. I want to try to motivate your spirit on the inside. That we're going to do things in a more passionate way in and we're going to understand, not that, it's not that we don't have a concept of what God called us to do. And I, I pray you do, but I want to just bring such a life to it that when you walk out of here today and tomorrow, that ministry is not something you do. It's, it's, who, it's who you are. And it's, a, it's part of your being. And it's going to take the sting out of it. Amen? You get into a sweatless anointing with God again. Hallelujah. How many could use a sweatless anointing a little bit? Amen. We've toiled and toiled and toiled and toiled. Look at the disciples. They got into the ship and toiled and toiled and toiled. Has anybody here been a toiler? I mean, I have, I have toiled and toiled. But you know what happens? It said Jesus came unto them. Or I'm going to say the word came unto them. Revelation came. 
And you know what happened? It said in John, when Jesus got into the boat, immediately, immediately they were at the other side. They toiled all night. But when the word showed up, immediately it changed. When he shows up and gets involved, the toiling's over, my brother and sister. It's going to be immediate transport to the other side. I ought to just preach there a minute. Glory to God. It's just an immediate transport because that's what God has us to do. Here we go. Chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 46. Here's a good pastor verse. Why call you me pastor and you don't do a thing I say? Oh, I'm sorry. Different translation. <laughs> and all the pastor says, <laughs> not a scripture the flock likes, but we sure understand it. Why call you me Lord and you don't do the things which I say? He says. Now what happens? Let me just do something simple here. Why is understanding what he say, what he says is important? Maybe because stuff like faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I told someone the other day, they said, what, what, what exactly is faith? I said, faith is what happens when the word of God becomes life in your spirit. That's what faith is. You want to simplify it? I don't need seven and ten steps to what it is. It's just when the word of God gets down inside of you and it becomes life, it evolves and becomes something called faith. Because out of your innermost being, out of your spirit, your mouth will begin to speak and it's going to speak words of life, words of faith. Faith is, faith is that which takes place when the word of God comes alive on the inside of you. That's faith. That's just a good definition of faith. He says, you hear me, but you don't do. Now, what does James say? It's talking about faith. He says, uh, being a hearer and not a, a doer, you do what to yourself? Deceive yourself. As the one looking in the mirror and he walks away and forgets what manner of man he is. But we are not just going to be hearers. We're going to be doers. Doers, doing is very important. You take doing out of faith, you don't have faith. Faith is not just believing. Faith is three parts. It's believing, it's speaking, and it's doing. Woman issue blood sums that up. She heard and she believed. When she heard, she said. And when she said, she did. And when she did, she got it. That's faith. In the simple form, that's the faith. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth, underline that, my sayings and doeth them, or whoever hears and does, I will show you to whom he is like. I'm going to show you. A man that hears and a man that does. I'm going to show you. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to portray who, who this man is like. He is like a man which built his house. And he dig deep, and he laid a foundation up on a rock. I'm not going to talk about a natural rock of foundation. I'm talking about the rock that Peter just mentioned. I'm talking about revelation knowledge of the word of God. 
He dug into the word of God. He dug into his heart. He allowed the hearing and the sayings of what Jesus said. He allowed what Jesus did. He allowed the word of God. And he dug down deep into the word. He, did, he wasn't just a surface Bible man, a surface Bible woman. He dug down deep and he began to build now, not just on knowledge, but he began to build upon revelation or what Peter just called the rock. He built it upon a rock. Now, there's something about building upon this identity and this rock of this revelation. I'm starting with revelation because we'll never get our true identity until we understand this revelation. So he built this upon the rock. Now, the rock, I'm going to refer to the same thing in, in, uh, in Matthew's gospel, the rock. And when the floods rose, the streams beat vehemently upon the house. It could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. Now, what did it say? When the gates of hell shall not prevail, when you understand this revelation of who I am. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. What he's saying here, once this man heard the word of God, he didn't hear it, he became a doer of it. He allowed that word to get down inside of him, and he began to build it up on this foundation, uh, what, whatever he... Whatever he's believing for. It could be healing. It can be uh, finances. What, whatever it is. When you build it up on that foundation where revelation begins. The gates of hell or the storms that could come and be vehemently against you. You will stand way past when the storm goes through. Because you were founded. Not just on Christianity. You were founded upon the revelation of the word of God which you heard it's the revelation you got to get it you've got to get it inside of you you got to believe it you got to read it and believe it on purpose I said you got to read it and believe it on purpose you got to read it and believe it on purpose let me say it a, let me say it a different way you've got to read it and believe it on purpose because sometimes your mind doesn't doesn't Embrace it. You've got to do it on purpose. You have got to do this on purpose. You've got to meditate it. You've got to meditate on 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 it. Uh, you've got to meditate on it. I was in a battle of my life. L literally, the enemy tried to convince me that I was going to die. I was in a battle of my life, and I took the word of God. It's like a six, eight-month battle. It was right after Angel and I got married, and, and I would walk with the word of God, and I would say faith. I'd read the word as I'm walking. Faith is coming. Faith is coming. People say, well, did you feel anything? Not a thing. I just knew in my heart I cannot. I, it has to come. When the word of God becomes life on the inside of me, it's going to create faith automatically. I would walk and say in my ears, in my eyes, in my mouth. The word of God is in my ears. It's in my eyes. It's in my mouth. It's in my heart. In my eyes, in my ears, in my mouth, in my heart. The word of God is in my ears, in my eyes, in my mouth, and in my heart. And when it gets in my heart... It begins to change something inside of me. And I didn't do it because I felt like it. I didn't do it because I had some Pentecostal. Woo! I did it because it was a revelation that had to get inside of me. I didn't feel like doing it. I did it all, all the time. Throughout the day. And one day, about six or seven months later, all those symptoms were gone. Matter of fact, I came across the verse in Psalms 40, 145, I believe it is. Uh, I lost track of that verse now in my mind. But this, the, the verse in the Psalms where it says, My tongue is the pen 
of a ready writer. After months of quoting verses and quoting verses and quoting verses, I got to that verse and something solidified inside of me. I said, today, in my ears and my eyes and my mouth and my heart, today, I will speak my victory once and for all. And I realized I didn't have another symptom in my body. It didn't happen the first month, the first, second month, the third month, the fourth month. Six or seven months went by. I mean, I'd wake up in, so, in sweats of fear trying to get a hold of me. Angel would roll over and said, what is wrong? Because where I laid, the sheets would be wet because I'm fighting this thing and, and fear trying to get a hold of me. And I'd get up in my ears, in my mouth, in my eyes, in my heart. The word of God. I will liken you unto a man that dig deep, that dig deep, that dig deep and laid his foundation upon a rock, upon this revelation. Come on. Don't, don't just live on the surface anymore. Don't allow ministry to beat you. Don't allow ministry to rob you. Ministry will rob your time. Ministry will keep you out of prayer. People will, will, will distract you from the things that mean most to you. You're going to be able to become more powerful when you become ministry and quit trying to do it and say walking with God and being in him is going to mean everything to me. And then I'll have all that I need to help others. Amen. <clears throat> if we could stay away from the but. 49. But, every time you got something good, when someone says but, you know it's going to go a different direction. But, he that heareth and doeth it not, he is like a man without a foundation he built a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently or the gates of hell prevailed and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great so everything that we do we have to understand that God wants our life founded upon truth he wants us founded upon revelation of his word and, and to get it, it, it just takes something. I mean, you, you just have to, you got to do this thing on purpose. I know I, 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 I've said that several times. I, uh, you're saying, how does that work? Well, I don't know how it works. I just know what I did to try to get it to work. I don't know how everything works. I, I really don't. I don't understand how everything works. I don't know how, understand how physics work. I don't understand how, you know, uh, neutrons and uh, all that stuff works together to become what you need it to be. I understand all that. I took one year of science in high school and I never looked at it again. I have no clue. I have no clue how that is. I just know I'd walk around and I'd say it hundreds and hundreds of times while I'm reading the word of God and praying, God, I lay my hands here. I'm anointed for revelation. You're going to anoint me for revelation. You're going to anoint me for revelation. I'm anointed for this. I've said this for years. You're anointed me. That means you're enlightened me. You're open myself up to this. 
I don't want to just be a purveyor of truth. I don't want to just be a preacher. I, I don't want to be a teacher. I, I, want, I want the anointing. I want to be able to see burdens lifted in. And I want to see yokes destroyed. I, I, I want something to come up out of me that brings life. I was preaching for Pastor Brad Wiggs in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Where, and uh, I was in that meeting. And we were just seeing supernatural things happening and miracles taking place and and uh that uh, brother wayne was with me in one of those meetings down here and one day we're riding in his car and, and he says uh how do i get to that place to where the word just comes out of me like it did you last night not just for this i just want to share with you what he said he asked me this question he said it, it seems like it's a struggle at times every week to try to come up with something to say. You know, that's a trap pastors can get into. You gotta dig one out. That's the term I've used. Well, I gotta dig one out. I gotta dig another one out. You know, I come to find out once you get revelation, you start walking in the spirit, you don't dig it out. It surfaces to the top. I mean, it's like the axe head, it begins to float. It begins to surface to the top. You know, I've had pastors, when I've traveled, pastors say, you don't know what it is, have to dig out something new every week. Well, when you're preaching four or five nights a week, you got to get it somewhere. But, uh, but it's true. I found out, you know, I, I used to, man, dig and try to come up with it and be a, to be homiletically right and, and, uh, and you know, have everything in there, the, the, this and that and the trans, and just dig, 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 and, and just come up with something different. When I quit doing that, I got free. One day I decided I'm not keeping notes anywhere I'm preaching anymore. What if you get called to go back and you don't know what you did? I don't care. Not anymore. I'm not keeping track. I'm, I'm getting out of this bondage. It's, bi it's binding me. I'm done with it. Because I'm going to preach something. I was in, I was in Defuniac Springs, Florida and, uh, at Brother White's camp meeting and God began to deal with me to preach something I did two years prior to that and I had it written down. And I said, Lord, I showed him. I said, I just did this two years ago. And I, I mean, it was just kind of silence. And I'm praying and seeking God. God, you've got to give me something. You have got to give me something. I'm studying. I'm praying. And all of a sudden, it just keeps coming back inside of me. You preach that. I can't preach that. They'll think that's all I know. It's true. I'll stay. If I have to, I'll stay three weeks on the same verse. Now, it's a fact. I will not budge from it. I refuse to allow people to put me in a box. And they say, when are you going to change? Whenever you get it. I'm not going to get into that trap. It's a trap. I'll stay on the same subject for a long period of time. And get up Sunday morning and re-preach what I did the Sunday before, first 15 minutes. Bring out something new. I will. One of that. I mean, I just won't. I won't. I got out of that. That was a torment to me. I hated it. Paul said in Philippians, for me to speak the same thing over and over you again is not burdensome unto me, but it's life unto you. I said, I'm not going to let it burden me no more. And I fought that thing, and I fought that thing, and I fought that thing, and I'll never forget that particular meeting. And, uh, I said, well, they'll think they don't know anything. But I'll go ahead and do it. <clears throat> and uh, 
And I just went ahead and did it. But I wasn't free from it that way yet. And uh, the following year, at the same place, same camp meeting, there's something about that place that messed me up. I got to church that night and forgot my notebook, my little leather zip-up. Oh, dear God, I had to have that. I mean, and, uh, and I walked off in Brother White's house and left it there. And I rode with Ron Witt. And uh, I came and uh, I rode with them and I came and I said, uh, Ron, I realized I didn't have it. Man, I started going to sweat. You know, I almost had to get a brown paper bag to breathe into. I mean, what happens if I don't have these? No, come on. I dug for them. And I'll never forget, he about ticked me off. I came by and I got Brother White's keys to his car because I rode with Ron. He said, where are you going? I said, "Uh, I got to go back to the house. He didn't have no clue. He said, trust the gift. I said, mind your business. (laughs) He had no clue and he turned around and said, the audacity to say trust the gift. I got outside and got in the car. I turned around and came in. I said, it's time to trust the gift. Why? I already studied. I prayed it out. I'm not unprepared. I'm more prepared than I've ever been. And I said, I'm not going to live in this bondage. I am not going to live in this bondage. It's going to become life to me. So as Brad asked me that day, he says, what am I going to do? I said, Brad, just do what you heard me say the other night. Just get up every day and just lay your hands here and say, God, you've anointed me for revelation. You've anointed me for revelation. You've anointed me to understand your word. I've had anointing for that. About Tuesday of the following week, he called me. He said, I just want to share with you the most miraculous things that took place Sunday morning. He didn't even have to do it for three, four months. He started seeing results right away. Why did he start seeing results? He got this out of the way. And he opened himself to, to where the word of God became life. Where revelation presides. Where the revelator is inside of you. Inside of your born again spirit. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Don't be like the man who tries to build your ministry. Without a foundation of the word of God. And without the revelation. Get into it. Don't just. Not, don't just. I'm not talking about just reading and memorizing. I'm talking about. It become a life to you. Remember Proverbs? I'll close with this. He said, my son, attend to my word. Attend. That's your responsibility. Attend to my word. Then he said this. Uh, the reason why it goes and says, because they are life to those who find them. And it becomes medicine or health to all their flesh. Guard your heart. With all diligence. Don't allow that other stuff to get in there once you get it. Once you get it, you guard your heart now. For out of your heart flows the forces or the issues of life. And that's where the revelation will flow from. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, my master. Thank you, my master. Hallelujah. This is a, a spirit-filled organization, isn't it? Let's lift our hands and let's just allow the Holy Spirit.
to do something. Let's just pray in the spirit a minute. Yes, yes, Father. Yes, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's your will. 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 It is your will for this to be done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give a simple thing tonight. If the word of God has been stale, it seems like it hasn't brought the life that it used to or or whatever. God wants this to become alive in you again. Folks, I'm honored to stand here. There's so many qualified people in this room to speak and I'm, I'm not standing here today only because I was invited, not because I had more to say to anybody else. I know that and you know that and God knows it. I will always keep my heart humble before the Almighty God. Because there's no other authority comes without it. But tonight if you're having a struggle in your spirit with the word of God becoming life and revelation, I want to agree with you. I feel an unction to agree with you. If you would just step out of your seat and just come and and just be with me here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Glory to God. <laughs>